Thanks for tuning in to the Renew Life Church Lubbock podcast today. We hope this message encourages you as you allow God's word and his presence to change your life. My name's Cody Sykes. I'm the campus pastor of Renew Life Church Midland. And just really honored Keith is preaching my mess, uh, my, my message. I gave him all his notes because, you know, sometimes he just needs help. <laughs> <laughs> He's preaching my campus in Midland and uh, he said it's a, uh, it's going really well, and so just really, really awesome that we can switch off and, and, and trade out, and he can preach there, I can preach here, we can kind of get to, to spread the love, so to speak, and I love coming here, it's, it's like family, so um, yeah, I'm very, very pumped. I wanted to share just a quick testimony. Uh, how many of y'all were here la- last Monday, or on Monday night for the Night of Prophecy with, with uh, Ben? It was absolutely amazing. A lot of really, really radical things were happening, people were prophesying over each other, which is just sharing the heart of God for each other, and it was really powerful, but at the end, we prayed for some healing stuff, and I had a word of knowledge, and basically what a word of knowledge is, for those that you don't know, is for, for one, let me back it up a little bit, when you, when you know Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, the Holy Spirit, which is the Spirit of God, He is living, He is alive, He actually comes into you, and when He comes into you, yeah, it's a mystery, but when He comes into you, it says that you receive power when he comes upon you. So there's an into and there's an upon. And so when he's in me, he is in me for my sake. When he comes upon me, he comes upon me for your sake. Does that make sense? So I get endowed with power. And so anyone has access to this. Everyone has access to this. But basically a word of knowledge is, is a knowing from the Holy Spirit for someone else. So I felt something in my shoulder that was just a little weird pain that I don't normally have, and I felt like it was for someone else in the room. And so Keith shared it from the stage, hey, also Cody's feeling some shoulder pain. There was a, a, a young lady uh, that was having some shoulder pain, so we prayed with her, and in the, in the first time we prayed, like her pain kind of dropped. She said like if it had started as a 10, and 10 being really high, it had gone to like a four. So we prayed again, we asked the Lord. Will you, will, you, will you do more? Will you just continue to increase the healing? And so she shared with me this morning that what was happening is that she would have pain from like her upper neck all the way down into her fingertips where uh, she didn't have feeling in her fingertips because there was a pinched nerve that was running through her shoulder. And after that night, she got her feeling back in all of her fingers. She slept peacefully and she's had her feeling back in her fingers since then. So we just believe that God completely healed it. Super amazing. I love that. And one of the things that you should understand about testimony is it's literally, it's literally wanting to repeat itself. And so if you need healing in your body for anything at all, begin to believe the Lord for it. And I believe that there is something very unique in the room. It's the, it's the spirit of God that can actually heal you. And so I just wanted to share that amazing testimony, super amazing. Um, I wanna share today uh, the title of the message if you're taking notes and you're one of those kind of people that needs a title. And if you don't have a title, then your notes aren't complete and then you gotta wad that page up and then you have to throw it away and all those things. Don't do that. It's, it's proven that people that take notes at church are more than likely the first ones to, to, to get to run down the streets of golden heaven. So, <laughs> totally kidding. It's not, it's not in the Bible. Totally joking. But yes, if you, need a, if you need a title, the title of the message is The Greatest Miracle. The Greatest Miracle. Will you pray with me for a minute? Father, I ask you in the next moments just to be with us. I thank you that you are all-knowing and you're everywhere all at once. And so I ask you to be here and just reveal to us your heart for us through your word. 
Uh, Holy Spirit, I welcome you into this room that you would come and make your place among us, that we would begin to know that you're here, that you would, you would surround us, that we would feel your love, we would feel your kindness, your warmth. God, I just pray for a manifestation for you to show up, God, because you are actually the only one that has the power of anyone and everyone, even in this room, to change another person. It is not in us, and we don't have that ability, but you do, Father. And so I'm asking you to produce change as I release your word, that, your, that the words that I released would be clothed in love, and that they would actually sound like something that you would say. In fact, anything that I say today, Father, that is inaccurate, or anything that I say today, Father, that... Uh, doesn't produce love, I pray that it would be completely forgotten. But anything that I say that has weight and has your power behind it, I pray that you would intensify it and you would increase it. I give you full permission in this service just to move, just to move us from our hard places and move us into the soft places and to actually change us from the inside out. I thank you, Father, for Jesus, the greatest one of all. And uh, Jesus, I pray that as we share and as we learn and as we laugh, God, that you would, Jesus, that you would get glorified in everything that we do today. And we pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. I want to share a couple things with you. Uh, I felt strongly that I was supposed to just kind of start preaching a little bit of uh, what our mission is at Renew Life Church. And so I want to share this. Um, our vision is this. Our vision at RLC is to see heaven come to earth in every area of life to see heaven come to earth in every area of life. And where we get that uh, vision statement from, so to speak, is from Matthew chapter 6, verse 9 and 10. Everyone's heard of the Lord's Prayer, I, I assume. Everyone's heard that whole, that whole thing when Jesus taught his disciples how to pray. But he said this, he said, Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Then he said, Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. And so I'm going to stop right there just to, to put the emphasis on our vision statement. The reality is this. There is, there is a reality and there is a system in heaven that is at work and that is working right now. And he said that as born-again believers of Jesus and believers in God, that we have this access and we have this ability, we even have this um, right, so to speak, to pray that heaven would begin to invade earth. Now, we have to understand that the realities of heaven are far above our thinking and far above our imagination. Uh, if heaven is a place of sickness and disease, then Jesus wouldn't have said, I have a place prepared for you that I'm going to. Uh, and so Jesus is saying that there is a reality that you can actually have access to while you live here. That means you don't have to wait to die to finally get relief from sickness or disease or from broken relationships or from hurt or from pain. That would mean, if that was true, that would mean that, that death would be your savior and not Jesus Christ. But we don't believe that death is our savior. We believe that Jesus is our savior. So you can have access to praying that heaven would literally invade every part of the things that are happening on earth in your life. This is not a dumbing down of the things of heaven to make them look like the things of earth. No, this is actually letting the things of heaven change the atmosphere everywhere around you. And so our vision is that, to see heaven come to earth in area, every area of our life. Our mission, and this is one of the things that I wanna, I'm gonna land on today. Our mission is this. Our mission here at RLC is to see the lost saved, 
the saved living spirit-filled, led, and empowered, the saved living free, spirit, soul, and body, the saved living unified in spiritual family, and the saved living on mission, that is advancing the kingdom of God. So today I wanna spend time talking about this greatest miracle to ever take place, and that miracle is the miracle of salvation. I wanna preach the very first part of our mission statement, to see the lost saved. To see the lost saved. We see in Luke chapter 19, verse 10, Jesus, this will be on the screen, it says, for the Son of Man has come to seek and to save that which was lost. That means that at one point, it wasn't lost. And then it moved into this place of not being in God's possession any longer. And obviously, we understand what he's talking about because in Genesis chapter three, uh, if you've been around church at all, you've heard the story of the fall of man and Adam and Eve when the serpent literally tempted Eve with the fruit and she ate of it and then she gave it to Adam and Adam ate of it as well. And then their eyes were opened and they realized that they were naked. We, we understand all of these things. But in that moment, what happened was is that there was, a, there was a separation between man and God. Because man, man became sinful, God is always holy. His holiness, it never tarnishes. But we were tarnished in this moment when sin came into the world. Romans chapter five, you can read this. Uh, it tells us that through one man's act of, of disobedience, talking about Adam, through one man's act of disobedience, sin began to reign throughout all of mankind. And it was passed down from one generation to the next generation to the next generation. But obedience, through one man's obedience, Jesus says, all have been given the opportunity to receive salvation through the free gift of Jesus. So Satan had a plan. The plan looked like it was working. Then Jesus comes onto the earth, screws up the enemy's plan, which is great. And God's plan is moving forward in the earth right now. And so if you came to Renew Life Church and you're a first-time guest, one, welcome you. But yes, sorry, you came the first day that we happen to be preaching salvation. So congratulations. Hopefully, you'll come back again. But salvation is literally everything. I'm preaching this message for two reasons today. The first reason is this, is I believe that there may be people in this room that are, that are lost, people that are unsaved, people that don't know Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior. And the greatest decision, the greatest single decision that you'll ever make in your whole life is to literally put your hands out, open your heart, and open your mouth, and receive Jesus into your life. The second reason I'm preaching this is for those that would be called saints. According to Ephesians chapter four, we see that Jesus himself gave some to be apostles, some to be prophets, some to be evangelists, some to be pastors, some to be teachers, for the equipping of the saints, for the work of the ministry, and for the edifying, that is the building up of the body of Christ, that is the building up of the church, that we may all come into the unity of faith and the knowledge of the Son of God. So literally, it's like this. My role today is to equip you to do the work of the ministry. And as we, as we talk about the work of the ministry today, my, my job is to equip you as a saint to literally walk into a greater degree or maybe even a greater understanding of what it looks like to walk someone into relationship with Jesus. If you are saved, you have a job. Amen? And I have anybody that agrees. Perfect. If you don't have a job, you need to get a job. Do I have anybody that agrees? All the, all the parents of teenage kids, they're like, amen, get them a job. Um, 
I'm gonna start this, this message kind of with this one scripture. It kind of puts everything into, into perspective really fast. It's kind, of, it's kind of got some sauce on it, so just be ready for some sauce. It says in Romans chapter six, verse 23, for the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. In other words, this, all life that is lived of sin or rebellion against God, or in contradiction, or in opposition of God's word, all life lived in that way, you will be paid in the end of that life with death, is exactly what the scripture says. God offers life, the enemy's plan is death. In John chapter 10, verse 10, we could probably, most of us could quote this out loud, it says that uh, the thief, he comes to steal, to kill, and to destroy. Jesus said, but I came that you would have life, and that you would have life abundantly, a life to the full. So I'm not talking about a a natural death. In this scripture, it's not talking about a natural death, that the wages of sin is natural death. We're all going to die a natural death. This is talking about a spiritual death. See, there's something that's going to happen to your spirit when you die. You will either be reunited with Jesus, or you will be sent to hell. It's really that simple. And I know I'm, I'm, I'm using some very, very defining words, but you just have to understand this. With salvation, there is no middle ground. You either are or you aren't. There's nothing in between. Agreed? Um, And so because of that, salvation is one thing that you should never, ever mess with in terms of you should never play around with the idea of being saved. Uh, So this is a spiritual death. We're we're three-part beings, every one of us. We have a spirit, that has a soul, that is a mind, will, and emotions, and we live in a body. So this death speaks of a spiritual, a spiritual death. You have to understand this. Salvation is the main matter. It's the main matter in every, every person's life. A hundred years from now, the only thing that's going to matter at all is someone's relationship with Jesus. That's it. It won't matter what you made. It won't matter what you didn't make. It won't matter what you have or what you didn't have. The only thing that will matter in 100 years for every single person that can hear my voice and every single person outside of these walls, the only thing that will matter is do they know Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior in 100 years? Everything else will pass away. This thing will remain. So uh, now that we kind of have a little bit of perspective of like the intensity of what salvation is and what is at stake in terms of life or death, I want to look at the miracle itself of salvation. So will you turn with me to Romans chapter 5? We're going to read in verse 6 through 11. Y'all good? Perfect. Y'all can talk back to me. It's totally fine. I have kids and they talk all the time, so I'm used to hearing something. It says this in verse 6, when we were utterly helpless, As I read this, I want you to think about your own life. I want you to let these words kind of land with you. When we were utterly helpless, Christ came at just the right time, and he died for us sinners. Now, most people would not be willing to die for an upright person, though someone might perhaps be willing to die for a person who is especially good. But God showed his great love for us by sending Christ to die for us while we were still sinners. And since we have been made right in God's sight by the blood of Christ, he will certainly save us from God's condemnation. For since our friendship with God was restored by the death of his son, while we were still his enemies, 
we will certainly be saved through the life of his son. So now we can rejoice in our wonderful new relationship with God because our Lord Jesus Christ has made us friends of God. This set of scriptures that I just read in, in, Rome, in Romans, it literally paints just a beautiful picture of the intense but very, very deep love of the Father that he has for each of us. Just a, a few things, it says that in our weakness, that word weakness in the King James, King James translation is, is translated to sickness. That in the middle of our sickness, Christ died at just the right time. See, living a life of sin is like living a life that you constantly are just inviting sickness to lay on you and be in you, which eventually leads to certain death. But Jesus, he came at the right time to redeem us from that life so that we would have a life that is abundant. God's love for you is so great that while you were in your worst condition of sin and sickness, Jesus died for you. In this moment, God traded the most valuable for the least valuable. He traded the most pure for the most imperfect or the most infected. This is the exchange that, that God offered you when he put Jesus on the cross and resurrected him from the dead. As enemies of God, it said, as enemies of God, Jesus died for you and for I. And I want you to think for just a moment what that must have been like. You think about your daughter or think about your son or think about your best friend or your mom or whoever it is that means a ton, of, a ton to you. And think about your enemy. Would you, ever exchange, would you ever exchange them for one another? I remember listening to this, uh, this guy that put out this. It was really dramatic, super cool, but he was preaching these little mini messages over just this soundtrack. And his name's Judah Smith. He has a church in um, Seattle. But he was talking about Barabbas. And if you know the Bible, Barabbas was this, this, this thief and he was this murderer who the, the was a, there was basically an exchange. We're going to release one prisoner today in exchange for Jesus. Who do you want it to be? Do you want us to let Jesus go or do you want us to let Barabbas go? And so the crowd begins to chant the name of Barabbas and, and literally they let Barabbas free and they take Jesus in, and this is the beginning stages of Jesus getting beaten and tortured so that he's eventually crucified. And what this guy said is that, that he said that the father had to treat Jesus like Barabbas so that he could then treat Barabbas like Jesus. And it's just this beautiful picture of what God exchanged for us. We can't even fathom the idea of giving something of value to our enemy. Like we drive, and they don't even have to be our enemy. We drive by people on the street that are, that are begging and we don't give them $10 because we cite, we don't know what they're gonna use it on. And Jesus, literally his life was laid down in these moments. Some of y'all, maybe, maybe you'll understand it like this. When you think about your enemy and blessing your enemy or your enemy and giving them life, some of y'all still haven't forgiven Duke and Coach K for what they did to the basketball team. You need to move on. Jesus has something better for you. In the middle of hating your enemy, Jesus, he's like, I'm gonna lay my life down for you guys. You were restored by the death of Jesus, God's son. I love this one. It says, in the eyes of God, you were made right. I want you to think about your wrongs for a second and, and how often you land on your wrongs. Because at the moment of salvation, it says that Jesus' blood washed you completely clean. 
In the moment of salvation, Jesus' blood washed you completely clean. It says, but God showed his great love for us by sending Christ to die for us while we were still sinners. And since we have been made right in God's sight by the blood of Christ, we will certainly, he will certainly save us from God's condemnation. The blood of Jesus literally was a new lens for the way that the Father looks at you. The blood of Jesus washed you. Now the, now the Father God looks at you, not from your position of what you've done wrong, but from your position of being right because of Jesus. When we wake up, we look in the mirror, we don't normally see blonde hair, blue eyes, uh, brown hair, brown, brown eyes. We don't see those things. We see uh, what we don't have, what we didn't do, what we did do, what we should have said, what we didn't say. We see a long list of our shortcomings in those moments. We start celebrating, we start looking at things that God is not interested in celebrating, he's not interested in looking at. He starts, he's looking at our rightness, not our wrongness. And I would just propose to you, to start switching your perspective. Graham Cook says it like this. He says, never have a thought about yourself that you wouldn't have about your kids because that's the way the father thinks about you. Never have a thought about yourself that you wouldn't have about your own kids because that's the way that the father thinks about you. When I was preparing for this, a little sidetrack story. When I was preparing for this, the Lord reminded me of, of a story of a man this ornery old evangelist that I used to know, he died many, many years ago, but uh, they were getting ready for church one morning. And this is what you shouldn't do, guys, okay? Everybody, everybody paying attention, this is what you don't do. So his wife gets out of the shower, they're getting ready for church, and he's standing there, and he's got his arms folded, and he's like, oh, I got bad news, babe. She's like, what, what happened? What's, what's the problem? He's like, it's just really bad. She's like, please tell me what you're talking about. He's like, you're not gonna make it to heaven. She goes, what do you mean I'm not gonna make it to heaven? He's like, yeah, the, the Bible says that Jesus said he, uh, he's coming back for a bride that has no spot or wrinkle, and unfortunately, you got a lot of spots and you got a lot of wrinkles. <laughs> Don't say that to your wife, because the father doesn't see spot or wrinkles. I'm making a joke, but you have to start looking at yourself in the right perspective. If you say that to your wife, you will need salvation in multiple ways, I promise you. <laughs> But we're talking about a miracle. And so in 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 17, it says, therefore, if any was in Christ, he is a new creation. The old things have passed away. Be old, all things have become new. In this moment of accepting Jesus, the old leaves, the new comes. That's what should happen. It's telling us this is what it should look like. And that is an absolute miracle that the old ways in which we operated are exchanged for new ways that we can't operate uh, Robert Morris, he's a pastor of a church in South Lake, Texas called Gateway. He made a statement that I think we should land on for a moment. He said this, he said, never get over getting saved. Yeah. I want you to think about that statement for a second. Never move past or never get over in all of your maturity and all of your spiritual maturity and your spiritual discernment. Please don't make the mistake of getting over the fact that you got saved. Now what? Now what am I going to do? What's next, Lord? He's saying, no, no, no. Actually, let that thing be something that ignites you every single day. Never get over what happened to you in the moment when your life became brand spanking new. Don't ever get over that moment. I don't know what your moment was like, but I remember what mine was like. I remember the condition of my soul. I remember the condition of my heart. I remember what it was like being 21 
being a drug user, being an alcoholic, being in debt because of alcoholism at the age of 21. I remember what it was like to, to feel like I was living exactly the way that I was supposed to be living because it was what I was shown. And then I remember being invited to a service where someone was preaching a message similar to this, and all of the sudden, the, the love of God literally came upon me in the best way I can describe it as like a blanket that fit me perfect. And everything started shifting. The smell in the room changed. I felt a breeze in the room that I'd never felt before. I knew that there was something taking place in me that I couldn't resist any longer. And it was Jesus making himself real to me. And then there was an opportunity to come and make your, make your decision for Jesus, to give him your life. And there was a ton of people that ran forward and I happened to be one of those. And in that moment, everything shifted and, and I'll never get over getting saved. I'll, I can remember it like it was yesterday. I don't know what your story is, but I'm just encouraging you, if you are saved in this house this morning, I would just encourage you to start reminding yourself right now, what was your story like? What, what, who was in the room with you? What was the room like? Were you in a church service? Were you at home? Were you at a home church? Were you at a home group? What was the Lord doing in the room? What was your heart feeling? Was it goosebumps? Was it chills? What was taking place in you? Stir yourself up because you never know who is sitting next to you. See, the people that invited me to this service, they gave me a challenge. They presented the gospel of Jesus to me in such a way, and I just told them, they talked about healing. They talked about all the manifestations of God and all of these different things. And they showed me videos and I flat out told them I didn't believe it. I said, they're actors. No one got healed. That's not real. Anybody ever thought that before? I have. And so um, that was where I was at. And so he goes, all right, here's the deal. If you'll come to one of these services with me, if you don't feel God's presence, if you don't feel something change, I'll never bother you with church, God, Christianity ever again. I had someone in my life that, was, that probably had never forgotten what it was like to get saved, and their faith about salvation was rubbing off on me. And so I would encourage you to begin to stir up your faith in the room as you think about what your own salvation story is like, because you never know who's sitting next to you, across from you, in front of you, or behind you. And maybe they show up a year from now, and they're sitting in your position, and they're saying, I'll never forget the day that I got saved. I'll never forget what it was like in the room when people were praying and when people were encouraging themselves in their, in their faith and remembering their own salvation story, and that did something for me, and I walked into relationship with Jesus. A hundred years from now, this is all that's going to matter. Salvation is the greatest, the greatest miracle of all. You need to understand this. The, the very same spirit that raised Jesus from the dead is the same spirit that makes you to be reborn when you accept him as your Lord and Savior. You need to, it's like we have to go from this place of thinking, well, that was Jesus, and Jesus was the Son of God, and Jesus was put here on assignment, and Jesus had all of these things that were leading in his direction. Of course, God's going to send his spirit to raise him out of a grave and give him a new life. You have to get this, that the same spirit that Jesus had access to is the same spirit that wants to give you access to eternal heaven. It's the same spirit. And so you, can't, you have to stop disqualifying the fact that you're not the son of God. Actually, when you're born again, you are a son of God. And actually, when you're born again, you are a daughter of God. And so the same spirit that raised Jesus wants to actually come and change everything in your life in just a flash.
I'm gonna close with, with these statements here. There are two types of people in this room. There is those that are lost and those that are saved. My question to you is which group do you identify with? Where do you land on this? If you would say, I'm not sure, but I think I'm saved, I would ask you to provoke some, some questioning. I would ask you to ask some questions like this. Am I doing the same things, thinking the same ways that I always have before and after I accepted Jesus? Do you encounter inner difficulty or inner turmoil when you're tempted with the same old things? Do, do, do you hit any walls in here morally? Do you hit any conviction in here when you're tempted to do the things that you used to do a long time ago? Or is it easy for you to walk in your old ways without regret or conviction? Are you conflicted on the inside of your heart and in your mind when you fall into sin? There's a man that comes to our church in Midland, short little biker guy. He's incredible. He has a prison ministry. He preaches this message and he preaches it around this statement. If you are what you were, then you ain't as it pertains to salvation. If you are doing the same things, thinking the same ways, all of those that you were before salvation, then you aren't. And that's the way that he preaches this in the prison and they have hundreds of men that are coming to Jesus. And I believe that it is valid and I believe that it's true. Our questions to those kinds of, uh, I mean, our answers to those kinds of questions of am I doing the same old, same old, same old with nothing changing and no conviction, they would probably point to the fact that maybe you aren't and maybe you should strongly consider it. We see this in, in Luke chapter 19. We see Jesus coming into the town of Jericho, has this interesting exchange with a tax collector. Tax collectors are not, not liked today, but they definitely were liked then. Like, leave my money alone. I play about a lot of things, but I don't play about my money. Like, leave my money alone, right? And so Jesus comes to Jericho. There's this tax collector, Zacchaeus. Zacchaeus climbs up in this tree to get a better vantage point of Jesus coming into town. Jesus gets into town. He sees Zacchaeus in the tree. He hollers at Zacchaeus, hey, come down from that tree because today I'm coming to your house. Or in other words, today I'm coming to abide with you. Today I'm inviting you into something and I'm coming into your space, into your atmosphere. And so we pick this up right here because something powerful happens in this exchange. In Luke 19, verse eight, it says this. Meanwhile, Zacchaeus stood before the Lord and said, I will give half of my wealth to the poor. Lord, and I, if I have cheated people on their taxes, I will give them back four times as much. And Jesus responded, salvation has come to this home today, for this man has shown himself to be a true son of Abraham. For the son of man came to seek and to save that which was lost. Really interesting observation, but I didn't hear Jesus tell Zacchaeus anything about selling or anything about giving his his wealth away to the poor. And I didn't hear Jesus say anything about the money that Zacchaeus may or may not have obtained in a wrong way. I didn't hear Jesus tell him, you gotta pay people back four times as much. But what I did see happen is that someone's heart shifted as Jesus came into contact with him. That's exactly what happened. Zacchaeus's heart, literally, it responded to what Jesus invited Zacchaeus into. 
I'm coming to you today. I'm coming to abide in you today. I'm coming to be with you today. And Zacchaeus, without even needing to be asked, instantly started changing the way in which he lived. His heart changed. If you back up to Luke 18, we see an interesting story, a similar kind of story. We see Jesus have this encounter with the rich young ruler, another man who is very, very wealthy like Zacchaeus. This young man comes to Jesus and he says to him, what must I do to inherit eternal life? Jesus quotes to him five of the 10 commandments. He says, do these things. And he says, well, I've done those things since my youth. I'm, I'm basically, I'm crushing it. And Jesus says, okay, sell what you have, and give it to the poor and then come follow me. And the rich young ruler, because of his many possessions, went away with sorrow and didn't walk into relationship with Jesus. I think it's interesting that you have this rich young man and this man named Zacchaeus that is also wealthy and that Jesus would use these two stories about someone who has money. And, and, and what we have to understand this is, is that Jesus is after our heart. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. You have one guy whose heart literally didn't shift an iota at all to, towards Jesus. You have another man who didn't even have to be asked to change things and his heart started responding to Jesus. What I'm saying is this, <coughs> excuse me, that your heart should start pouring out what you've confessed and what you've believed. They will know us by what? Our fruit. If my fruit, if the outward expression of what is in my heart doesn't look like I confess Jesus as Lord and doesn't look like I even believe that Jesus is my Lord, that he gets to be the boss at all, I need to start questioning some things. What I'm not telling you is this. I'm not telling you that upon profession of Jesus that everything has to be perfect. That's not it. That's too high of a mark. None of us are suited for that. What I am saying is there should be a transition from the old into the new from the old way of thinking into a new way of thinking. Out of the abundance of our heart, the scripture says that our mouth speaks or we live out. Everything that I'm taking in, it, it eventually will be lived out in some way, shape, or form. My heart should look like what I'm saying I believe in. I'm gonna say this and then we'll, 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 we'll lay it in. This is not a just-in-case gospel. Meaning, this isn't just insurance. You don't get saved to have insurance. It's an assurance. This is Jesus assuring you that if you'll do these things, I will give you life that will never, ever run out. This is not an insurance policy where all of a sudden I got in a collision and all of a sudden I got myself in a bind or all of a sudden, because I didn't change any of the things that I was doing and I didn't let God's transformational power of his word actually produce any sort of change in my life and now I've made a mess. Now, Jesus, I need you. That's not what this is supposed to be. This is supposed to be an assurance that says that what Jesus paid for, you're actually living out every single day in your own life. A hundred years from now, the only thing that's gonna matter is someone's relationship with Jesus. John chapter three, verse 16. How do you preach salvation without using the scripture? For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, that whoever believes in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. For God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world, but that the world through him might be changed. 
as saints that have been born again, that are living on a mission, that are interested in advancing the kingdom of God, whatever you do, let it be clothed with love. As you go out and you start being that wacky Christian maybe that shares Jesus in the line while you're waiting for your food at Roses, because that's where you know the Lord goes, that's the Lord's house. After church, it's like the Lord's house was the church and then it becomes Roses because that's where the Spirit dwells. And so um, the Holy Spirit is really, really on the number 14 with chicken. Um, (laughs) Totally kidding. But you move into this place, when you move into this place of, of, of being the hands and feet of Jesus, do it in love. Yet you love the person, but you hate the sin. You're gentle with the person, you're not gentle with sin. It's exactly the way that God created this thing. And so as you go out, make sure that you're not doing something that the Father's not doing. The last thing is, he said, Jesus didn't come to condemn the world. Make sure that you're not condemning the world of their sin. Let the Holy Spirit convict them, convince them that the way in which they're living isn't, isn't pointing to life. And then you actually get to be the one that plants a seed and you get to water it and God gets to end up bringing the, being the one that brings the increase. Amen. If God's motivation was love, let ours be too. Salvation truly is the absolute greatest miracle that there ever is. Thanks again for listening today. If you'd like to join us in person for church, Renew Life meets every Sunday morning at the YWCA at 6501 University Avenue in Lubbock, Texas. For more information on our ministry, check out renewlifechurch.com or find us on social media. We hope to see you soon.